This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Kyle Gorman. He's an entrepreneur and leadership coach, founder and CEO of Employer Blueprint and host of the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, Roman, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Anytime. So how did you get to the 2019 you? Please tell me a little bit about your journey to get here. Sure. Well, uh, so, you know, right out of uh, university, I uh, got into a management role in, in the retail environment and learned pretty quickly that that really wasn't for me, uh, just the, the retail environment. Management, I love, and I've always uh, kind of had an affinity towards management and leadership, um, but realized very quickly retail wasn't for me and really wanted to get more in the corporate environment. I really enjoyed or was intrigued by uh, that corporate business world. And uh, so, was able to get my foot in the door with a large corporation and work my way up the ladder a little bit there. Um, then in the 2008 downturn, uh, we went through a pretty massive layoff and I was part of that. And um, fortunately was very blessed to land on my feet through that uh, into another opportunity with a, a kind of what would be considered a mid-sized business and really enjoyed the personal aspect of the mid-sized business. Um, and uh, really just kind of fell in love with that. But we were then bought out a couple of years later. And when we were bought out, um, uh, we were bought out by a private equity firm, you know, who was looking to, to grow primarily through acquisition. And the whole culture of the organization changed. And that's whenever I really started to gain probably a better appreciation for company culture and, and what that can do for an organization and for the people within it. Um, and so within that space, I'd kind of started looking for what that next opportunity was going to be. And uh, my my mom had started a company about 20 years earlier. And, uh, and so I kind of got to talking to her and she talking to me about what her succession plan was going to look like. Um, and, and just kind of coming in and help forming and help shaping and growing the business a little bit. And so um, I decided to do that. And we agreed on six months. We said, uh, I'll come into the business for six months. And if, uh, if, if my parents decide they don't like me in the business or I decide this isn't for me because I really had no desire to be in a small business environment. My goal was uh, CEO, large company CEO. And so I really had no desire or intent of being in the small business world. Um, but after getting in, I really just, I really loved the impact that a small business can have. And I grew a huge appreciation for the challenges that small businesses have and they face every single day. And so um, after doing some things to kind of help their business and taking over uh, management of that company, I started looking at some long-term plans and I recognized that there was a, a big gap in the small business world for people helping them with talent acquisition and with recruiting and, and personnel and hiring needs. And so ultimately in 2013, uh, launched the company that I have today uh, called Gorman Recruiting and became Employer Blueprint. As we offer uh, talent acquisition, we help with uh, onboarding and training and management skills. And so it's really interesting kind of the way this has evolved for me because even at a young age, uh, my first job at 14 years old, I remember 
really being intrigued by what makes some managers really good and what makes others not so good and why do I want to follow some people and I don't want to follow others. And so over the years, as I've been able to kind of put all of these things together, it's it's led into the business that we have today, um, which helps people bring on, uh, you know, find and, and, and onboard great talent. But then even more importantly than that really is figuring out the management and leadership skills that are needed to retain and develop those wonderful people. So that's what's led me where I am now. And, and uh, we're, we have Employer Blueprint, which is helping small businesses. And then um, we have a podcast and a few other brands out there that are really focused just on helping other people grow and build. Oh, that's awesome. So what do you think uh, is a hurdle for employers? Because I know a lot of people that are companies that hire, you see some of these uh, job posts, a lot of the time they're looking for kind of this unicorn candidate that doesn't necessarily exist mm-hmm. or the experience doesn't match what even that industry has been around for. So for example, uh, I've been doing digital marketing since 2009. So in 2010, in in the social media infancy, a uh, corporate Fortune 500 was looking for somebody with 10 years of digital marketing experience. Now, I don't know if that was a typo, but I don't think so. But it's like, it hasn't even lived, you know, two or three years and you're looking for 10. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what we look for on the talent acquisition side, we, we look for three things. Uh, we call it the APCs and we look for aptitude, personality, and commitment. And um, I think that the big misunderstanding, first of all, is that within those three things, aptitude is the least of the three that we are worried about. Um, we are much more focused on finding the right personality for the organizational culture and a person that's really committed to that type of company and that type of career. But even in that aptitude piece, when we're looking at skills, I, I really am much less focused on skills directly in the industry or someone that can come in and quote, hit the ground running. We hear that statement happen a lot, you know, a lot. We're much more focused on transferable skills. And so what that means is, uh, you know, in the digital marketing world, as an example, you know, I would be less concerned about someone that has five years experience in digital marketing. And I'd be much more focused on someone that is tech savvy, that's creative, that can uh, understand the way people think and feel that can help describe a product or a service uh, in a way that that draws emotion and creates engagement. Because if I have someone with those skills, I can teach them my business to go out and do the marketing, the digital marketing of that. I can teach someone how to uh, do the specifics that I need in the business. But if they don't have those transferable skills, they're never going to be successful with the company. And so oftentimes what you see is, uh, you know, we, we kind of pass around employees of sorts. We take an employee that's been in an industry and they work one company for two or three years and then they go to another company for two or three years and they go to another company for two or three years. Well, on their resume, it looks like they've got, you know, five to 10 years experience in the industry, but they really were, may not have been successful at any of those places. And so what we've got to understand is why are they moving on? What's happening? But most importantly, what are the transferable skills that are going to make them successful with our company? And if they have the right personality, we can make it work. We can help them fit here and and really do some great things for the company. No, I agree. I think anything can be uh, learned as long as you have kind of a, a foundation and a desire to do so. And like you said, the that desire and that culture fit trump everything else because you right. can get an expert coming in with a big ego um, to a company based on, you know, what's the, what they achieved, but may not be a, a team player. And I think those transferable skills are very important as well. 
That's right. You know, I've, I've, I can't tell you how many times I sit down with, um, with clients and they say, well, you know, we want someone that has experience in the industry and they need to come in. And I remember one of the very first times uh, I dealt with this was early on in, in the infancy of our company. And I sat with a potential client and we'd been working with them for several months. I mean, talking to them for several months, trying to get them to come on board with our program. And so finally, had, I had all four partners um, uh, of their company sitting there kind of interviewing me to determine if they wanted to hire me to go out and, and help with this position. And one of them made the comment. He said, well, they have to have experience in the industry. Uh, and I said, well, you know, the, the more we can get away from that, the, the more we open up our candidate pool. And he said, well, our last two hires uh, have been, have come from competitors and that's really what we need to find. And I just asked the question, sort of knowing at this moment that it's make or break, I said, and how did those two hires work out for you? Because that's why I'm here. That was really the defining moment, I think for them as well to say, and he did, he made the comment, he said, well, you know what? I guess that's actually a good point. Maybe we need to consider that because the last two hires had not been great. They had pulled them from competitors. They did not fit well with their organization. So they had the skills, but they didn't have the personality to fit with that company. And so instead, uh, we've we've since filled several positions for them. They're a great partner of ours. I don't think we've made a single hire that actually came from their industry, but they've all been great long-term hires that have worked out really well for them. Yeah, I think that's a good point coming from a different vertical or industry because you bring kind of out of the box thinking that everybody is very regimented if they're in some kind of other. So let's say um, I've had clients in pharma biotech. Mm -hmm. So if you only do pharma biotech marketing, you only are focused on tactics and and techniques within that and don't necessarily expose yourself to things that may be doing or working in other industries that you can incorporate and basically surpass your competitors. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's that being able to just think about things differently. And that's where those transferable skills come in. You know, if they, if they have the basic fundamental skill set, we can teach the specifics. And I believe every company can, if they have the right uh, process in place and we help with that, of course, but um, you know, and, and most importantly, it's the, the leader in that business having the patience and the willingness to help develop someone. But if they can, they're going to be so much better off with, with a high performing team member uh, than just someone that can come in and, and technically do the job, but really not fit well with the organization and help lead them and launch them further. No, I agree. Do you find with the changing landscape and technology that employment is evolving as well? So let's say uh, a lot of people are now kind of uh, digital nomads or freelancers or have several jobs. Is is there a change and acceptance in the um, job market in terms of employers? Yeah, I think that there is, um, you know, every company is a little bit different depending on the leader in the business. But I think that we, I, I am an advocate of the change. I think it's a great thing for business um, to be able to hire good quality freelancers. Uh, it helps the P&L and it's, it, it is just truly a benefit to the business that they're not, they don't have any efficient or ineffective time. Um, some business leaders still want that person in the office and there, there's just something about that feel. But I think that we are seeing much more of a shift to that. Uh, Every year, it seems like we're getting more and more towards that. And that's something that I even talk about uh, with our clients. You know, if if I have someone that is looking for a a specific skill set and marketing is a great example, if they come to me and say, well, 
we've grown to the point we need a marketing person. Um, then, then one of the first things we do anytime we're working with a client on a new position is a needs analysis. And we under, we want to understand what are the needs? What do you actually need? What are you looking for? So we can create kind of a candidate profile around that. And, you know, in talking to them, where we, where we find people oftentimes make the mistake is they have a short-term need and they want to fill a position with it. That's going to be a long-term employee. And then they get six or 12 months down the road and realize I don't really have enough work to keep this person busy. And so whenever we do that needs analysis, that's one of the things that we're looking at. And we oftentimes will make the recommendation, which loses business for us, but it's the best thing for the client to say, you know, what we recommend is you may want to look to outsource this because of these reasons. You know, this is going to be the cost to outsource it. These are the skills and qualifications you're going to be able to get, which are going to be much greater than bringing someone in house. Um, and then you can fill this short term need that you have instead of trying to bring someone in that really doesn't need to be in the office every day. And yeah, there's definitely been a shift uh, as the freelance market continues to grow. And I think that we're going to continue to see that shift and I fully support it. And again, not the best thing for my business model um, where I'm, you know, helping acquire talent for businesses. But I think it's critical to just the landscape because now what that allows us to do is me, especially as a small business owner, um, I have four or five freelancers that work in different capacities in my business, all support positions such as marketing and video editing and podcast production. All of these things are done through, through freelancers. But what that allows me to do is it allows me people that have an expertise in an area working on my functionality as opposed to one person that is okay at a lot of different things. And so I have experts in their field working on aspects of my business that I could not otherwise never afford as a small business owner. So I think it's a tremendous thing the way that we've seen this shift. And with technology today, the world just keeps getting smaller and smaller, which makes it that much easier for us to do these things. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like you said, a lot of times you may not need to hire someone or have enough work, but if you find somebody for, you know, a dedicated expert for X amount of time, you can still keep growing and still have that need filled. That's right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had a situation come up. We just went through some rebranding um, just within the last two or three months. And in doing that, we had several things that we had some, um, we had some needs in, in creating new flyers and new graphic design work. Well, I have a graphic uh, design uh, freelance that I've worked with for years now. Um, but he also does some of my digital stuff. Well, my main priority for him was we needed to get a new website up and going. And so I had all this graphics work that we needed to get completed. And I was able to go out and find some great freelancers that were able to amazing turnaround, great price. And it looks just absolutely top notch. And I got it much cheaper than I would have if I would have, and, and certainly with my time trying to do something on my own or, or even using some of the other, you know, folks that I already have access to. And, um, it was it was tremendous for me to be able to leverage these incredible skills that other people have to benefit benefit my business and um, and I think sometimes as especially small business owners I think we oftentimes forget how valuable our time is and so the more we can lean on people that have an expertise in an area and we pay them a project fee it's it's absolutely worth it as long as we're using our time in the right way, which may mean spending time with our family, or it may mean going out and trying to get new business, whatever it is. But, but the, this shift towards the freelance kind of the gig economy, as it's often called, I think it's a great shift. And I think there's a lot of value in it, uh, for the freelancers and for the business leaders. Yeah, I agree. And like the world is shrinking and you can get, 
comparable prices, even uh, United States-based uh, freelancers. Not only people have this fear that they uh, outsource to countries that are known for choppier work or communication, that kind of stuff. Not, mm -hmm. I mean, not everybody, but if people go kind of the, the super cheap route, they're usually going to, let's say, India, Philippines, there are good outsources and freelancers in those countries yeah. as well. But it's kind of like the fear of a lot of companies to outsource. Yeah, yeah, there is a big fear, but I, um, I mean, I can tell you, I've used both um, uh, American-based and foreign freelancers, and I've had nothing but great experiences. Um, and, and again, it, it, I really focus on it in areas that aren't my core business. Uh, and I actually had a gentleman on my show, on my podcast here a while back, that he's made almost his entire business out of outsourcing. Um, so, you know, he's effectively created a marketing channel in which people come to him as the hub for marketing needs. And then he uses outsources all around the world, um, to actually complete the projects. And so he's kind of the client liaison, but then he's actually, he's leveraging the skills all over the world and he's created a whole business model out of it. So, but, but you're exactly right, Roman, even, you know, a lot of our, um, there's some great freelance opportunities right here in America uh, for people that aren't comfortable outsourcing overseas. Um, you can find some amazing people that are doing some great work still at very reasonable prices without having to bring someone on board or on staff to do those things. Yeah, I agree. So how important do you think is emotional IQ for an employee in kind of any setting? And do companies look at that at all in terms of weight currently? Well, I don't think as many look at it as heavily as they should. I think it's very, very important. And so that's that's part of whenever we talked about those APCs and we look at the personality piece of that, um, that's part of what we're looking for is that emotional intelligence and how are they going to be able to communicate? How are they going to work well within the team? How are they going to relate well to others? I think that it's important for every position. And of course, it depends on what the specific position is as to how important or how valuable it is. I think where it's very, very critical is the leaders in our business and the managers in our business. And I, I tend to use those terms a little bit interchangeably, but I believe any manager should be a great leader. I think that's that's just a, a need or qualification. And any great leader has to have a high uh, EQ, emotional intelligence. And, and so I, I think we probably invest in that in ourselves and in others on our team less than we should uh, just culturally. But it's, it's, it's very valuable to the organization because without it, that's what creates drama and division. It creates just more challenges in the business than we really need to be dealing with. And especially for a leader in the business, they've got to know how to relate to different people, understand what their needs are, be empathetic to someone's situations in their emotional intelligence and how they can relate well to others and communicate accordingly. Yeah, and I had a guest on, uh, she made a very good point, the uh, topic of emotional resilience. So I think that from the emotional intelligence, I mean, it's tied with it, especially for leaders. So if something goes wrong or it's imploding to kind of keep your cool and pivot and get all the facts first and, and be the one that's obviously you are the decision maker. So you need to have a level mind and head and kind of have an unbiased view of where you should go next. And regardless of the situation, it's easier said than done in some situations not let emotions dictate the decision. That's right. That's right. There, I'm, I coach a lot of 
youth sports. And that's one thing that, that we talk about a lot, especially, you know, with uh, really players of any age. And it happens even once you get to the, the major leagues. But but you see it much less the higher level you go. You, you, you see that players are able to adapt because the game, all games are very mental. And so I coach a lot of football and I coach baseball this time of year. But football for me is about kind of a three-season sport that I coach. And it's so important to be able to, it, things are never going to go perfect. You know, we're going to have issues and problems and challenges. And so it's so, so important to be able to get over those things and move past them. And the great athletes are able to do that. A, a problem happens, you know, a, a bad throw, a bad catch. Um, they make an error, they make a mistake. The ability to get over that and move on quickly is really one of the main things that can separate an okay athlete from a great athlete. Well, that same skill set applies in business and in life. So, you know, I remember during the downturn, uh, someone made a comment to me. There were, I was, the company I was with, we had, uh, I think there were 140 of us that were let go one day. And it was interesting to see the difference in how people approached that situation. And my approach was immediately go, I've got to go find another job. I mean, it kind of the fight mechanism kicked in and said, all right, then this is what we're going to do. And so I went and looked very quickly at um, what's the bare minimum that I can earn just to kind of keep my family supported while I look for another job and um, what kind of jobs do I want? How do I want to look at this opportunity? Well, I took it as an opportunity to maybe pivot my career in a way that I otherwise wouldn't have because I would have just continued to stay with that company. And I know that there were others that said, well, I'm just, you know, I'm, I've got to go sit on the couch for three or four weeks and just kind of collect myself and figure out what's going on. Well, I, again, kind of very blessed. I landed on my feet, um, you know, landed in a, in a, a in a great position, um, a little more money. I mean, it was just, it was a wonderful environment, but I believe that so much of that came from the ability to see this bad thing happened. There's nothing I can do to change that. What am I going to do to make something positive out of it? Well, how am I going to, um, uh, use this to my benefit instead of to my detriment? And I believe we all have to learn how to do those things. We all have to figure out how can we take something negative and shift that in a way that doesn't impact us forever. Because if we um, mope and we groan and we pout about things, it's not going to change what just happened. So we've got to be able to move on and get over it. And that's how we can make clear decisions. And that's how we can get back on our feet. Whether it's something small that happened because you got a you know, negative phone call from a client or you didn't get that big sale that you wanted um, or whether it's something big like you get terminated or um, one bad decision, you know, ends your career in a certain field. None of those things are good, but they shouldn't define us. And we cannot let something bad happening in our life define who we are forever. We've got to be able to move on from it. I agree with that and, and learning something from every situation or every yeah. experience and being able to pivot as fast as possible whether it's in your professional or personal life. So it feels like the dominoes have been falling around me for the last few months. My uh, grandfather passed away. I've had some other stuff. I'm a foster parent. Last week, we thought we were going to adopt our two foster boys. They ended up being taken and reunified with their biological mom last week. Wow. So it's kind of just, you know, just emotional roller coasters and just getting hit over and over again. Sure. And, just learning, reflecting, and like you said, you, you can't do anything about the past or that some, some situations you can't control. So we, we're, we're at the mercy of the state in terms of being yeah. foster parents. So we can only, we knew, you know, we know we did a good job with them. We provided them a safe, loving home. Right. They obviously taught us a lot of things about ourselves as well. And we're different people after the experience, but I could, I can be moping around. I can, you know, stop 
wanting to work or stop this podcast, but I mean, it's, it's, it's life. It keeps going. You, you learn, you reflect and you know, you grow. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, first of all, just terribly, you know, sorry to hear about your loss and, and, you know, and obviously in, in that foster situation, you know, the greatest thing that could happen for those kids is to be unified with their parents in a healthy way. If, you know, if, if the, uh, if the right environment is there, but you're exactly right, Roman. And, and, and that's the approach you kind of have to take in those situations is what can I learn from this and how can it make me a better spouse, a better parent? How can it make me better at my job, better at my podcast, better at everything that I'm doing? What can I learn from this? In fact, I actually, you know, I heard on one of your shows here recently when you had mentioned that you said, you know, it's, it's kind of helped even push you a little further into this show to, you know, do something that would make your grandfather proud. And, and I think that that's great. That's, that's kind of that approach that, that we have to have to say that again, it goes back to that, like that can't define us um, because life around us is still going to go on. And so we can't let one bad situation define us. We have to look at the positive and say, what, what door is being opened because of these things that are happening around me? Yep. And I mean, everybody, every instant has, you know, 1000 choices they can make if you think about it good or bad and it, it you're you're the the bearer of your own road so either do something positive or negative regardless i mean time is still going to go by regardless if you sit there for a month week day you feel bad for yourself or right you know you reflect i mean i'm not saying people don't need to uh kind of re re reevaluate themselves sure. or kind of recalibrate after a loss or, or you know a termination or being laid off because they may feel inadequate or you know this company didn't you know want me employed there so maybe I, i'm just a bad employee overall right yeah and, and you know and that's one of those things when we do see that happen a lot of course you know we we're interviewing people all the time and and it's not uncommon to talk to someone that has been let go or, you know, company closed or whatever. And, and you can almost feel that negativity in the interview process. Well, first of all, you've got to understand you can never get the job whenever someone senses that negativity. And so just for the sake of being able to move on and, and find a, a path of success, we've got to be able to mentally move on from those things. But the, the other thing that people have to realize, and this is the way I often put it whenever I'm talking to a candidate that is in that situation, I often just, and I say, look, I've been there. I've, I've been through the layoff. I've had that meeting where I'm told you don't have a job. But that, if you take that as a way to say, man, I'm looking at an amazing opportunity because I would have stayed with this company for the next you know, 30 years and retired from them. But now I have an opportunity to go do something different, something more. What do I want that to be? And I think when a candidate can take on that mentality to say, this is an opportunity I probably would have never taken. Even if you're terminated, you weren't a good fit. It doesn't mean you're a bad employee. It means you weren't a good fit for that company for whatever reason. And so if you can take that attitude to say, they really opened me up to a great opportunity here because I probably would have never left. But really, you may not, you probably weren't happy there. If it's not a good fit, you weren't happy there anyway. So, so now you can go out and try to find something you're really going to be happy with and it's going to make you um, more content in life. And so look at it as an opportunity, not as oh, this terrible negative thing happened to me and those people are so bad and they're awful. Well, if they're bad and awful, good for you. You don't have to work with them anymore. So now you get to go find something else. Yeah. And, and nothing really in terms of any kind of advancements over time or in history have happened in kind of calm water. So you need kind of a storm that's right. to adapt to it become stronger and and that analogy become a better kind of hardened sailor mm -hmm. that's a that is an excellent excellent point roman that's an excellent point that's it's the storms around us that um that really help shape us into who we are
Yeah, I agree a lot. So what's one thing you can leave with the audience in terms of advice, personal or professional? Well, I think, you know, one of the big things that I have learned um, over time is just resilience and perseverance and just never giving up. I've had people on my show and I have, I have some great friends that are uh, very successful entrepreneurs and, and business leaders. And that's one of the things that I continue to see as a common thread in those that have been most successful. You know, we rarely see or hear about the hard times that they've been through because all we see is someone's success on the back end. But we've, you know, though the most successful people have been through some of the hardest times. But, uh, you know, to your point about that storm, you know, they, they've been able to weather the storm, they've gotten through the storm and amazing things have happened on the back end of that. And so being able to persevere and being able to um, mentally get through those things and get over them and, and, and move on. That's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I think I give anybody is just uh, don't give up, keep working hard, keep a positive attitude, find a way to make things work. You know, just use those problem solving skills and find a way to make things work. And, and I believe that if people weren't so quick to give up, they can really accomplish some amazing, amazing things. And um, so that's the biggest piece of advice that I could, could give anyone when that's personal or professional. You know, if it's in your marriage, don't give up on it. If it's in your career, don't give up. If you've got a great business idea, don't give up. Find a way, find a way to fight. Yeah, I agree. And that's why the, the CEOs and company founders are there. They basically outlasted everyone else. I'm sure other people have had those similar ideas. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ideas that are repetitive and don't necessarily reinvent the wheel. But the people that kept going are the ones that are left. I mean, it's right. a kind of a, a battle of attrition. You have to kind of outlast. Eventually, you'll have some competitors, but you mm -hmm. first have to get there. That's right. That's exactly right. You see it happen all the time. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, they can check out some more information. Uh, the two places I would I'd recommend is uh, you can check out employerblueprint.com. That has some information on the company and kind of what we do there. And then you can also check out my site, which is kylegorman.com. It's just G-O-R-M-A-N. So there's no E in there. Uh, but check out kylegorman.com. It's got some information as well. And both of those sites will link you to our blog and other uh, great resources that we have. But yeah, absolutely. Go check those out. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Absolutely. Thank you, Roman. I appreciate your time. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.